If you want to change your life, you have to start rewiring that negative self-talk lingering below the surface. Welcome to the Confidence Council Podcast. This show is designed for high-achieving women who, despite having a great life, just know that they're destined for more. Whether you aren't sure what that next level is, or you have an idea, but the vision feels out of reach, then this podcast is for you. My name is Monica Burkoff. I'm a trial lawyer, a mom, and a wife, and I'm here because I know from my own experience that feeling stuck or unfulfilled does not have to be your reality. With a positive mindset and the right counsel, you too can create the life of your dreams. My hope and intention for this podcast is that you walk away feeling confident, motivated, and inspired to embrace your authentic self and to take bold action toward your dream life. Are you ready to get started? All rise. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Confidence Council podcast. If you've listened to the show before, welcome back. And thank you so much for listening to and supporting the show. And if you're new here, welcome, welcome, welcome. I am so grateful that you decided to listen today. And I firmly believe that you were led here for a reason. Something called you to click on this episode in particular. And so I'm hoping that this episode and what we talk about today serves you or provides you with the message that you needed to hear. And if it does, it would be so incredible if you would leave a review or share the episode with a girlfriend or share it to your Instagram account and just tag me. I would absolutely love that. All right, so let's dive in. Today on the show, I wanted to talk about the concept of limiting beliefs, what they are and why uncovering them is the first step in any personal development journey. So let's start with the basics. What is a limiting belief? So it's as simple as it sounds. It's a belief that is limiting you. See what I did there? It's a story that you have been telling yourself, which is constantly running under the surface in your subconscious, that is limiting you from realizing your full potential. So now if you have a goal or a desire on your heart right now and you're still not acting on it, chances are you're being held back by some unconscious limiting belief that you are carrying with you likely something you picked up from childhood. What's important to realize about limiting beliefs is that they are most often disempowering beliefs that are not true. They are just beliefs, which is good news because it means that we can uncover them, throw them in the garbage, and lay down some new empowering and positive beliefs in their place. A big part of my self-development journey has revolved around learning about the brain and about the conscious and subconscious. Now, if you know me, when I get interested in something, I go all in. I listen to every podcast. I read every book. I obsess over it until I feel like I've mastered it. So let's talk about this conscious versus unconscious belief system real quick. So I think we're all familiar with Freud's iceberg theory, right? Can you just picture that image in your mind? It's, you know, it's that big iceberg that's, you know, the top is over the water and there's that huge chunk under the water. It's something that 
you know, we probably covered in psych class at some point, likely in high school. And so as a reminder, Freud's theory says that the unconscious mind, so that massive chunk sitting below the surface, is the primary source of human behavior. So your belief system dictates your behavior and the decisions that you make all day long. Well, that's all led by the beliefs and the programming that you have going on under the surface, those thoughts and beliefs you don't even realize you have that are unconscious. So one of my favorite self-development books that talks about brain science is called The Source. It was written by a neuroscientist and a former psychiatric doctor. And in that book, she provides these staggering numbers. Are you ready? Each of us experiences 12 to 60,000 thoughts a day with the average adult being somewhere closer to the 60,000 thoughts a day end of the spectrum. And get this, 95% of those thoughts are repetitive. Whoa. And then this is the worst part. 80% of those thoughts are negative. (gasps) That is horrifying. So if you have 60,000 thoughts a day, 54,000 of them are the same thoughts you had yesterday, and 43,000 of them were negative. When you look at it like that, it makes sense that to change your life, you have to start by changing your thoughts. Let me say it another way. According to the science, whatever story you're telling yourself today You told yourself yesterday, you told yourself in high school, and you'll be telling yourself this same story 5, 15, 20 years from now if you are not intentional about identifying and addressing it right now. This is such important work because not only are those beliefs holding you back from going after your dreams, but if you're a mom like me, they'll be holding your kids back too. Because whether you like it or not, you are going to unconsciously put these beliefs into their little brains without you even realizing it. Let me give you an example of this. A couple of days ago, my two and a half year old Clayton woke up just a ball of emotion. He was crying about nothing, wailing, wanting to be held and just carried down the stairs, held during breakfast, just, you know, he was in his feelings. My other son, the baby, the one-year-old, quiet, peaceful, just observing the chaos. At breakfast, they were both sitting in their high chairs. The baby was eating nicely, and the older one was pushing the food away and just still being super emotional. Without even realizing what I was doing, I kissed the baby on the forehead and said something like, oh, you're being such a good boy. You're eating your breakfast so nicely. I love you. And then I realized, and you know, I'm not a psychologist or anything. I'm a lawyer. But I thought, what am I reinforcing here? that Cameron is a good boy because he's eating his food quietly. In that moment, I was telling both of them that expressing emotion is a bad thing and that good boys don't show emotion. And that is not the story I want them to carry into their lives. Because I have trained my brain to be so conscious of all of my thoughts, I immediately course corrected. I I kissed Clayton, the emotional one on the head too, as he was still crying. And I said, you're showing emotion today and you're a good boy too. I love you. And you know what? He stopped crying. He felt seen. He felt safe. 
And I'm not saying all kids are the same, but that moment was a big aha moment for me. This work of uncovering your limiting beliefs is so important, not only for your own self-development, but it's going to help shape your kids' worlds too. It's so important to uncover these things within ourselves so that we don't unconsciously project them onto our children. We want to do better and be better for them. Here's another example that I noticed in my life last week. So as you may know, I'm an attorney. I'm a partner at a law firm in Chicago, and we have this case that's been dragging on for years due to all of these procedural things, whatever, not important. And the judge recently had expressed to the parties in court that he was not happy about how old the case was. And, and just for reference, if you don't know, the priority of the judges in the court system is to obviously, you know, get justice, move things along, get resolution. And so an old case is problematic. Anyway, so this legal issue came up and my associate comes to my office and he says, you know, I have this issue. I want to bring this motion to bring it to the court's attention. And for reference, when you bring a motion, it's a written filing that expresses some legal issue that needs to be resolved. But what that also means is that we can't move forward in the case. Remember, all the court wants us to do is just keep moving forward without the court's input, which inevitably slows the case down yet again. And so my initial thought was, no, if we don't need to bring this motion, we shouldn't because we don't want to piss off the judge. Even though my associate had presented me with a merit-based argument, and for the record, it wouldn't be legal error to not bring this issue. It was totally a discretion thing. But anyway, my initial instinct is to keep the peace. We want to keep the judge happy. We don't ruffle feathers. And as you know, me and my associate are talking through the pros and cons of bringing this motion, it was just so eye-opening to hear him working through it and how his, his thoughts and his reasoning were so different than mine. He's thinking, who cares what the judge thinks? The motion's not frivolous. My job is not to make the judge happy to get the best resolution for the client. You know, and we talked through it some more and decided to move forward in a slightly different way. But I guess the reason for me telling that story is in that, you know, seemingly mundane moment, we have these types of defense strategy conversations all day long at work. I uncovered another limiting belief of mine, which was it's best to avoid conflict. I don't want anyone to be mad at me. My actions are fueled by this belief that good girls don't ruffle feathers. That to be loved, I need to keep people around me happy, even if it's at my own expense. So those are just two examples. And there are so many more that I haven't even uncovered. I mean, this is a lifelong journey. But for both of those examples, I mean, I thinking about it now, I do think that they're probably both saying the same thing, which is to be good, to be loved, I have to do what's best for others. And that first scenario, the crying was making mom uncomfortable. So stop crying because you have to make mom happy. In the second scenario, you, you know, betray what you want to do just to keep the peace or don't take some action because you don't want to upset someone else. You kind of get what the limiting belief is now. These are something that are going to be coming up all day, every day. You just have to know to look out for them and then address them when they come up. So let's break down how to go about rewiring these beliefs. These stories that I just told, they may have triggered some similar experience in your mind, but if you can't think of any, here is where you can start digging. Step number one, 
Think about your goal or desire. What do you want? Why do you want it? Step number two. As you're writing down your goal or thinking about your goal, ask yourself, why haven't I done this thing yet? What behaviors am I exhibiting that are sabotaging me? In this moment, acknowledge that little voice that's saying, you can't have that, and ask it, why not? Step number three, trace that limiting belief back to your childhood to pinpoint where it began. Step number four, identify how this belief has served you in the past Step number five, ask yourself, do I believe this to be true? And step number six, affirm a new mantra. So let's go through this with a personal example that I personally had to work through before I started this podcast. So step number one, think about your goal or desire. What do you want? Why do you want it? I wanted to host a self-development podcast for women. Step number two, why haven't I done this yet? What behaviors are sabotaging me? Well, this was a loaded question. For me, there were a lot, and there were a lot of things that I had to work through. But for purposes of this exercise, I'm just going to focus on one. Um, For me, like one of them was my colleagues at work won't take me seriously anymore if I do this. And then you kind of whittle that down by asking, okay, why? Like, why do I care if my colleagues don't take me seriously? And then you kind of get to, well, you know, because I put a lot of my self-worth into other people thinking that I'm smart and successful, and this would potentially threaten that perception. And then you kind of keep going and you keep going. And it brought me to this realization that so much of my self-worth revolves around achievement and appearing successful in the eyes of others. If this thing flopped, I would be a failure. So we got to the root of it. My sad little limiting belief was... If I'm not always winning, I'm a loser. Isn't that, it's like hard to say out loud, but you, you, you know, you, when you uncover the, like, you don't even realize you're running that programming. When you uncover it, it's like, ew, I don't believe that. Do I? Yeah, you do. So we got to work through it. So then step number three is to try to trace it back to a story from your childhood and pinpoint how it began. So for me, I come from a home of immigrant parents. And before I go on, I love my parents. They did the absolute best they could for us. And a lot of these things that are now holding us back as adults, you'll see were either meant to or did serve us as children. And so when you look back at your childhood to kind of pinpoint your where your story began, it helps to think about it that way. So anyway, my parents were immigrants. They had not gone to college. And, you know, so they were very, they very much stressed the importance of academics so much with us to a point that I have memories of like bawling my eyes out to a teacher if I got to be on a test because I knew I would get in trouble if I didn't come home with an A. So through that, you know, well-intentioned story that you have to get good grades to be successful, my subconscious acquired this belief that if I'm not winning, if I'm not getting A's, I will not be successful. I will be a loser. And looking back now to think that my parents would love me any less if I got a B is absurd. But that is the programming that I was running back then. And, you know, quite honestly, up to, you know, a year ago, because remember, 95% of the thoughts you think are repeats of the ones you had the day before. So kind of come 
kind of journal or think about where that all started. What, what is the root of that? Where did that come from, that belief? So then step number four, which we kind of already did, was to write down how this belief has served you. Well, for me, this belief that you have to be winning, that you have to get A's, otherwise you'll be a loser, you know, it was motivating for me in a sense. You know, I worked really hard. I got mostly straight A's through school. I worked my butt off. I finished a law degree. I worked super hard to prove myself. And thanks to, you know, that lesson or that belief, you know, I'm now a partner at a law firm. And, you know, that is a massive accomplishment. If I didn't have that belief running, maybe I wouldn't have achieved all those things. So it did serve me. So it's it's good to point out like why... So this thing did help me in the past, but now we want to say, okay, goodbye. I'm moving on. I'm leaving it in the past. So step number five is asking yourself, do I still believe this to be 100% true? So do I believe that if I'm not always winning, I'm a loser? Um, No. I realize now that it's a lot of the failures and the mistakes that make a person more successful. If you think about like, you know, inventors and people with all these incredible stories, they all overcome something. There's some sort of a failure. There's some sort of a story that then leads to a success. So this was holding me back because I thought if I can't do it perfect, I'd rather just not do it at all for fear of being a loser and failing. So I don't believe this to be true anymore. And I want to let go of this. So now that I've unearthed it, I've decided I'm over this. I don't need it anymore. Now you come up with three to f- step number six is you come up with three to four mantras or affirmations that are the opposite of this limiting belief. And you repeat them mindfully several times a day and visualize them as true. And for me, those look like everything is always working out for me. My success is inevitable. I have everything within me to handle anything that comes my way. And you just repeat these things and you believe them and you start to rewire them. And before you know it, those negative 80% of those negative beliefs are rewired with positive beliefs and you're moving your life in a new direction. So there you have it. This is not something that you can resolve in one sitting. You know, this takes a lot of work. I'm uncovering a new one like every week. Um, So you have to be very intentional about it and you have to make this a lifelong practice. If you want to change your life, you have to start rewiring some of those thoughts lingering under the surface. All right. So just to recap, let's go over the six steps. Step number one, think about your goal. What do you want? Step number two, ask yourself, why haven't I done this yet? Why can't I have that? Step number three, trace the belief back to a childhood memory. Step number four, identify how this belief served you in the past. Step number five, ask yourself, do I believe this to be true? And find examples where it's not true. And number six, affirm a new mantra. All right, guys, that's all I have for today. I hope you got something valuable out of this podcast episode, and I will see you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Confidence Council podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please make sure you click the follow button so that you're notified every time a new episode drops. If you want more content between episodes, check out the show's Instagram account and website, which will be linked in the show notes for you below. 
If you're walking away from today's episode feeling more confident or empowered in some way, please share it with a friend or share it on social media so that others can benefit from it too. Thank you again, and I'll see you back here next week. Bye for now.